Welcome tonight. Um, we're going to go back over to the book of First John, where we've uh, kind of been hovering around on some of these Sunday evenings. And uh, I want to pick up on uh, a couple of verses in John chapter 1, uh, but I, I want to use it to kind of talk and discuss more about this subject. Uh, again, it's, a, it's an important one for us to understand as believers, uh, very specifically because it is about uh, our union together. It's about unity. It's about uh, why we come together. And in this passage in 1 John chapter 1, uh, we were down there right around verse 6 where it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Now again, that is the principle if you will, purpose and component behind that word fellowship. Why we come together. And what does that fellowship mean? And, and, and we, we as believers really have got to, you know, understand that because we are called together to be fellows. And fellows is not just a, a, a word that is used for men. It is also used for women because we find that over there in the book of Judges. Uh, where um, the, the, the daughter of the judge that made the vow that he shouldn't have, and uh, he, 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 she says that she's going to go mourn her virginity with her fellows. Uh, again, the speaking of other females that she's with. So we, we see it's not just, if you will, relegated to, 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 to males. It's something that is about the body of Christ, but also at the same time is outside the body because the world unites around other things. We know very clearly that uh, in uh, the book of Acts, it talks about lewd fellows of the baser sort. Those were individuals that, that what brought them together was base desires and the desire for sin, the desire to make trouble. But as we see here, John talking about this, talking about how we should, as believers, behave, we should understand what this fellowship is talking about. And again, what it is we fellowship with. In in verse 6 here, he says, if we're going to say that we have fellowship with God, we have to make sure that we're walking in the right pathway. We have to make sure that we're using the light of the Word of God, the light of Christ, to to, to walk that path. If we're using anything else, it is not congruent with the fellowship of God. And what God calls and says our fellowship should be like, it should be like that. Our fellowship should be as our fellowship is with Christ. And there's a specific way that God desires our fellowship to be with Christ. Not just, a, a, if you will, casual, not just, a, if you will, uh, um uh, if you can call it flippant or just, uh, something that is of not consequence, it has to be something that is purposed. It has to be something that is desired. It has to be something that is, as we talked about this morning, uh, consciously and cognitively thought of. And we're going to look at this tonight in just a, in just a, a, a brief snippet about what fellowship is. It's not really 
out of the book of First John, we're just using this kind of, if you will, to launch this thought because it's important to talk about as we progress further in the book and even as we as believers continue to meet together and, and, and fellowship together, what this really truly means. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for uh, what you give to us in this uh, time that we have, uh, Lord, to redeem by listening to your word and hearing uh, your instruction and hearing your guidance. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this subject of uh, fellows and fellowship, that Lord, we understand the true intent behind it, that as you continue to outline it in scripture for us, that it becomes very clear and very evident about what its purpose is. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that purpose tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would just be with me and speak through me, that this time would be honoring and pleasing unto you, that our hearts, Lord, would be prepared by your Holy Spirit, that we would receive that instruction. I thank you again, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, um, continue to meet with us tonight. And this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Turn your Bibles over to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And I want to point this out when it comes to this issue of fellowship. Because if there's one thing that is very clear in the Bible, God has not given mankind to be alone. As a matter of fact, over there in Genesis, he says it's not good. So he created Adam a helpmeet. And what we find is that the body of Christ is made up of many believers, not just one or two, but again, not so that we're solitary. It was one of uh, the, the the laments that uh, Elijah made over there saying, I and I alone, you know, kind of that, that, that mentality. And uh, God simply reminds them there were 7,000 others that had not bowed their knee to Baal. Now, whether he was aware of them or not is, you know, not necessarily uh, a given there, but I have a tendency to think that maybe he wasn't. But we see that God has very made it clear from the very beginning that it's not just about one single solitary person. The, 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 the congregation of Israel wasn't made up of one person. It was made up of millions. The body of Christ is not made up of one person. It's made up of millions. And what we find here in Ecclesiastes 4 is, is a, 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 a very specific thing talking about fellow. We're going to read a couple of passages. We'll define this term here in just a minute. But he says in verse 9, two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Remember those commercials that came out? Those little call things? Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. And, you know, they made a big thing about it. It became memes and all sorts of other stuff. But that was for the purpose of people that lived alone that were going to possibly suffer situations like that. We had a neighbor one time, uh, late at night, this 
this uh, elderly uh, woman came, knocked on our door. She was a neighbor across the street and said, I need help. My husband has fallen. So I throw my shoes on, go over there, check it out. And if she didn't have any other neighbors, it would have been a very dire situation. She obviously would have called 911. We did call 911. Because he's like, uh, I, I said, I'm really not comfortable moving you. Uh, are you experiencing any pain? And he goes, no, I'm not really. He said, I just, I've just fallen off the toilet. I just need help back up. He said, okay, well, I'm going to try to gently lift you. But I said, if I hear one word of ow or anything, I'm setting you back down and I'm going to call the ambulance. So I grabbed him under the arm and started doing the very light lift and I see his face wince and he goes like that. And I said, nope, we're done. <laughs> Come to find out he had fractured his pelvis. That short fall, that short fall. The Bible says it's a woe when a person falls and there's no one else there to help them. That is why God created fellowship. When you start studying out the word fellow and you start studying, and we're going to see some of this here this evening, you start studying out what it's about. Being a fellow is somebody that helps. It's somebody that helps. This passage makes it pretty clear because he says the, the one will lift up his fellow. Well, what happens when that fellow is not there? There's nobody there to help. In the body of Christ... A lot of what we do is to help each other. The world does enough to tear us down. The world does enough to malign us and uh, ridicule us and mock us and, and try to shame us and so on and so forth. But I will tell you this. One of the purposes that God created the body of Christ for is for each other. To help each other. He uses men and women to lift up others, whether it's spiritually, whether it's physically. There is that common thread that we see about fellowship. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> and I, and I want to point this out when we get to this definition of fellowship, uh, fellows here in just a moment. But in Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 19, he says something very specific after talking about breaking down the middle wall of partition between uh, us, you know, Jew and Gentile. And, uh, and he gets down here to this point where he says uh, that in verse 19, he says, Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. As Gentiles, before Christ, we were strangers and foreigners to the Israelites. And there was laws that allowed us to come in, and there was a laws that allowed us to be proselytes, that allowed us to follow certain things, but there were certain things that we could not do, such as access to the temples and things of that nature. But now that's all changed because of what Christ has done. And he says here, now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're citizens together of a city that we have not seen yet. The one that, if you will, Abraham was talking about, that he desired to see, the one that Hebrews talks about. 
We're, we're, we're desiring to see that one day. I really am looking forward to it. I really look forward to it. The more I read the news, the more I want Jesus Christ to come back. And yeah, I want him to come back and, you know, take us out of here. I'd love, absolutely love that. But I really, truly also want to see him rule and reign. And then, you know what? I really want to see what, it, what eternity looks like when there's no more sin and no more death. I really want to see that. I look forward to that. And praise God, God is a God that has promised that, and we know that that's coming. But we're fellow citizens of that. We, 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 we together are, 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 are incorporated into that group. Nothing's going to separate us from that, by the way. And if you notice, a lot of what Paul talks about, Paul uses the word fellows probably more than any other writer in all of scripture. Because he's always talking about fellows. Fellow soldiers, fellow laborers, fellow prisoners, fellow citizens here. It's all about fellows, 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 fellows. So let's see a little bit about what that, that what that, that, that term fellow means. Go over to the book of Daniel. I've mentioned this one before, and it's important to mention this one again. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> we understand what's going on here. Here's Nebuchadnezzar's dream. You know, these these uh, uh, individuals, Daniel and uh, the, 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 their, their new names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we know them. That's their Babylonian names that were given, but they were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But these, these four individuals, if you will, kind of made a pact together and a purpose together. They weren't going to be defiled by the king's meat. Even though they were going through some really difficult stuff. And we've had, you know, speakers talk about that. And, and, and when you start thinking about exactly what's going on there, it becomes very apparent how bad the situation was for them. But they still decided we are going to continue with what God has taught us. And these were as children. So a child can make that decision, by the way. A child can make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. A child can make a decision to purpose in his heart. I'm not going to let this happen. So what do we see here in this passage? We've got Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He begins to seek a, a, some sort of a, a interpretation of the vision. Uh, all the rest of these people can't do it. So Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to kill them all. And in verse uh, verse 13 here, it says, And a decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. They're looking for them at this point in time. And, 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 uh, Daniel, he steps forward and he says, wait, wait, hold on a second. I know my God has the answer to this. Like we were talking about with Job this morning. God's got the answer. Daniel has confidence in God that God has got the answer, that God has got this situation. He goes, they pray, and they do these things. And, and as you look at this here, we find that uh, very clearly that he calls them fellows. He calls them fellows. Why? Because they had the same purpose in the intent. And that same purpose, the intent, 
was that they were going to let God handle this situation. I mean, when's the last time you went to work and, and the boss got so mad he said, I'm going to kill you all? Well, there's laws against that here in the United States. You know, there are other countries there may not be, but, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily have to fear that, but Daniel did. These three individuals that were trying to live for, for, for the Lord did. So Daniel and his three fellows purposed, well, we're going to let the God, uh, let, let the God that we serve handle this and we'll show the interpretation. We'll show this interpretation. And it was revealed to him. And his fellows, his companions, as they're also called, they very clearly were blessed of God because of this. But they had purpose together throughout all of these, these, these accounts that we find here, that they had purpose together to be there for each other. It wasn't just Daniel's sole purposing. It was all four of them. And even when the three were caught and they were going to be thrown into uh, the, the, the fire, and let's not throw Daniel under the bus and say that he bowed down to it. Let's not do those things because Daniel's not mentioned, so we can't, we can't go around accusing him. I've heard people preach that. That's ridiculous. But let's, let, let's, let's focus on what happens here. Those three stood together and said, we won't. Together. They spoke in unison, saying, we're not going to do this. We're not careful to answer thee, king. They were doing this in unison. They were doing this together. Whether it was one speaking or they're all speaking at the same time, I doubt that was happening. But very clearly, they made it known that they had formed together a union that was not going to be separated by the king's flames. And it was solely based upon what the Lord was going to do. That's what real fellowship begins to be about. Because if we define that word fellow, we find, you know, according to some some dictionaries and things of that nature, but what we find further with scripture study is that a fellow is somebody that is of the same same kind, if you will, of the same kind. They often refer to gloves. As a pair, when you have one glove, you're looking for its other fellow, as they used to refer to it as. A pant. Pants have two legs. One is a fellow to the other. They have the same purpose. But as believers, as as individuals, as humans, it's somebody that is of the same kind, meaning that they have the same desires, they have the same mindset, and they have the same purpose behind it. And what they do together is they commune together. Isn't it weird that that term communion ends with the word union? That's what we're supposed to be. People often call the Lord's Supper what? Communion. Well, that may be, you know, brought about from, from other people and stuff. There is a term, that, that, that is a term that describes it very succinctly. Because the, the, the purpose behind the, 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 the cup and the bread is that we would all come together realizing that we're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we would all seek to do the same thing. 
be of the same mind. Because that was the problem with the church at Corinth. That's why Paul was having to go over that ordinance with them. But this doctrine of fellowship that we see being talked about by John and by talked about uh, by by Paul and others, and specifically even Solomon himself, this doctrine of fellowship has a very specific meaning. And it's spiritually based. The world bases fellowship on physical things. The world bases fellowship on physical things. A fellow can be somebody that's in the same college that teaches for that purpose. A fellow can be somebody that's part of a law firm or a, a group of something uh, in a business venture, if you will, a joint venture. They're fellows together in that, kind of like business partners. Those are all physical things. What God's referring to here that we find over in the book of First John and throughout Scripture that references us and our fellowship that we have with each other and with God is that we have the same, we are to have the same mindset, the same purpose, the same desires that our Lord does. And that is something that brings us together. It's spiritual in its nature. It's not something that's physical. People make fun of Baptists, and Baptists make fun of themselves. We do. We're we're, we're good to be the brunt of jokes. Because, you know, there's, there's what is referred to as Baptist time. Baptist time is about 15 minutes past when it was supposed to be. That's Baptist time, uh, unless food is involved. Then Baptists show up early because Baptists love food. There's always that 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 mindset there, and I've heard a whole slew of jokes about talking about Baptists and their food and things of that nature, and uh, the 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 whole thing. Uh, um, I've even heard the you've probably heard the Roman Catholic joke. Uh, uh, that uh, is out there where the one guy, he's the only Baptist in town and people are getting upset with him because he's out there uh, on Fridays. He's out there barbecuing, uh, uh, you know, steaks. And uh, that's a no-no for them uh, on Fridays because you're supposed to abstain from the meats. And, and it's driving all the Catholics crazy. And they're just, finally, they go to the priest and they say, you got to talk to this guy. And he goes over there and and uh, he says, you know, hey, hey, you really need to stop this because it's really, you know, creating some problems for us. And uh, and he he goes, oh, okay. And uh, um, he invites this this Baptist over to the Roman Catholic Church. He says, why don't you just stop by for a mass one day? And and he does. And he goes into the church, and uh, uh, the priest comes up to him and uh, does his little thing, and then puts the water on there, and he says, you were once a Baptist, but now you're a Catholic, and uh, sprinkles them with the holy water, and he goes, oh, okay, and this should help it, so now you you have to abide by, you know, the meatless Fridays, and uh, he's like, oh, okay, very next Friday, he's going out there, and he's cooking a rack of ribs, the priest stops by and goes, why are you doing this? And he said, oh, well, that's because I took some of the holy water from the church and I was sprinkling it on the, the, the ribs. And I said, you were once, you know, pork rib, but now you're fish. 
<laughs> you know, he, he, he thought it was good. You know, I probably butchered that joke, but you know, you, but but the idea is is that we understand the concept of you know Baptists around food, but that should not be what draws us together. While we have potluck services and we enjoy things of that nature and, and maybe we have some other things of, uh, you know, events that we have, that, that's not what binds us together. Spurgeon said this. He said, if it takes a carnival to bring people to church, it will take a carnival to keep them in church. And that's not what binds us together. There are churches today that treat services like a carnival. There was a a young man that once attended this church and uh, he was uh, dating this one, um, uh, this one girl and, and she said, Oh, I want to go to this church. Uh, It's, it's my church. And he goes, Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'll go to your church. And and uh, they go that Sunday, and he sits down, and the usher comes up with a bag of popcorn and hands it to him. The young man looks at his his girlfriend and goes, "What's this?" He goes, "It's popcorn." He's like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" You eat it. He's like, "During the service?" Yeah, like a movie theater. And he's like. We're going to my church next Sunday. I'm going to show you what real church is about. <laughs> it was, it was, it, it, to him, it was like, what is this? That should not be what binds us together, the physical things like that. Well, we enjoy those things, and, and, and sometimes we refer to them as fellowship. The real fellowship comes around when we purpose together to please the Lord with our lives when we purpose together to be witnesses, whether it's in an outreach event or whether we're purposing to come together and to grow in Christ, those are the things of which we fellowship with because that's the mind of God. That's what we're, what we're drawn to when we have fellowship with Him. Salvation, growth, those are all things that we should fellowship around. And why is that? Because fellowshipping isn't about, if you will, fun or mirth, as the Bible calls it. Fellowship is about helping what we saw over there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. That's what real fellowship is about. Paul's references, did you notice that? They were all individuals that he called out specifically that were helping him in the ministry. The ones that he said were fellow laborers, what were they doing? They were helping him labor. Fellow soldiers, they were helping him in the fight. Fellow prisoners that were there that were in prison for the same reason that he was in prison for, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were all individuals that, that came around, and if you look at every single one of those instances, and which you don't have time to look at every single one tonight, they were all individuals that's, that were fellows that were helping Paul and his ministry and those that were around the body of Christ. That's the understanding about fellowship. Turn over to 2 Corinthians. Take a look at a couple of these things that Paul talks about with his fellowship. 
Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. Paul's kind of writing this second letter. He's got some things to say to the church at Corinth that obviously uh, the first letter, you know, needed to be readdressed some things and to get to it. Uh, in all, the, there was a there's a third letter that, that, that Paul references, but is not part of Scripture. Uh, I would be really interested to know what that said. Just, just, I mean, morbid curiosity at that point in time. It's kind of like slowing down at the car wreck, you know. You know, I just kind of, kind of would like to know what it is, but I, I'm sure it was probably a letter that was, again, in the same, written in the same context. Uh, maybe it was more scathing. That's why I didn't get included. I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm not even going to speculate on that. We don't get to read it. Maybe when we're in heaven, we will. I don't know. Uh, does it really matter? Not really. But I will say this, there's one thing that he starts off with in chapter 1, the way he ends the chapter, I want you to see this. He says, not, in verse 24, not for that we have dominion over your faith. Now again, I'm just going to emphasize this really clearly, clearly because it's an important principle. Nobody has dominion over your faith except for the Lord, okay? Period. Period. You answer to God, okay? That, 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 that's the mindset when we're talking about this faith, all right? I'm not talking about, you know, you know, hierarchy in the church or anything like that. I'm talking about dominion in the faith. If somebody's trying to lord over your faith and somebody is trying to lord over you and your salvation, you've got, you've got a cult in the making. Yeah. You've got, you, you've got, you've got a heresy about ready to happen. Best you move on. He says, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith you stand. Now, there's a lot packed in that that verse right there, okay? There's a lot that's there. But I want to focus on the fact that he says, they're helpers of their joy. Paul wasn't trying to come down hard on them as some sort of authoritarian dictator and, and, and if you will, trying to put his thumb down on them or anything of that nature. No, he was trying to help the, the, the church at Corinth and the believers there understand the joy that is found in Jesus Christ, the joy that is found in, in, in the Lord that can only be found in the Lord. His, 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 if you will, his fellowship with them was to help them. To help them realize that. Would to God that there were more Christians that took on the, if you will, the fellowship of helping people, other believers, realize the joy of Christ. That'd change a church in a heartbeat. How can I help you be joyful today? Joy is something that surpasses sorrow. Even in sorrow, you can have joy. Are we there and available to help people with that? Take a look at what he says in chapter 8 of the, sec- uh, of the same book, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
Now here's where I'm getting to this connection. He started off by saying, we're helpers of your joy. And here in chapter 8 and in verse 4, he says, praying with us, uh, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Right there, Paul gets to, if you will, the root of what fellowship is. Ministering. Ministering. Now, we all know, and I've said time and time again, all of us are called to a ministry. The basic ministry that we, uh, that we, uh, if you will, uh, agree with is the ministry that he says that we are ambassadors for Christ and if we, we've, we have that ministry of reconciliation. We're going around telling people that they can be reconciled to God, that they can have a relationship with him, that they can have peace with him. Because outside of Jesus Christ, they are at enmity with God. And that's not just a disagreement. That's a full-on battle fight. So what we see here is, is that God is saying that, that, that these individuals were encouraging Paul. They wanted them to take up that fellowship of ministering to the saints. Because it's needful. I don't care who you are in the church, where your standing is in the body of Christ. You need to be ministered to. I need to be ministered to. You need to be ministered to. Everybody does. And it takes a person that is, if you will, really truly devoted to that ministry to say, how can I help this person? Because that's what ministering is. You know, I, I, I go into a hospital, and what do they do? They administer drugs. They administer a treatment. Well, what's the root of the administer there? Ministry. Helping. And that's what you find that what real ministry truly is. When others would go and they would minister, I mean, take a look at what happened with the Lord. After he had that whole thing with the, 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 the devil and he, he uses the word of God, uh, during those temptations, what happens next? You find angels come and they, what do they do? They minister to Christ. Look, if Christ needed ministering to, we do too. He was in the flesh. He was, he was God himself. But in that flesh, he needed that help. He needed that ministering. And God sent and God provided. He provided angels. But as believers, we have to do that. We're asked to do that. That ministering to the saints. And he says specifically, fellowship which should bind us together and bring us together as a congregation is this, this mindset. How can I help somebody this week? How can I help somebody today? Now, look, I'm not talking about, you know, some things, and I'll tell you, people really, truly ministered to us when I was going through all those difficulties. 
We had people coming out mowing our lawn, taking care of it and stuff of that nature. Praise God for it. Those are some physical things. You know, you go over there into Acts chapter 6 and you find those individuals that were being selected out uh, for the, the daily ministry of the widows, helping them out in a physical sense. But this fellowship of ministering to the saints isn't all about physical stuff. It's about spiritual. You know what that means? That means you have to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit says, this person really needs some assistance, you have to be able to hear that and also be able to do that. Because if he's asking you to do that, then he's giving you the ability to do that. We have to trust that. We have to believe that. Turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. You know, we mentioned this when we studied Philippians recently. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see this here as he, as he talks about this, this, you know, talking about some fellowship, talking about, uh, uh, um, being of the same mind in verse one, he says, if there be uh, therefore any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if we say we have fellowship with God, if we say we have fellowship with the spirit, this is what it's supposed to look like. If any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You know what brought a lot of joy to Paul's heart? Was when he saw believers come together around the one mind of Christ. Wanting to do what Christ did. Wanting to be ministering to others. And he talks about that here, where he's talking about comfort and consolation, fellowship, bowels of mercy, all these things that we exhibit towards other people. It's all brought together because of that, again, same mind and that same purpose. That same mind, that same purpose. Turn, if you will, uh, 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 over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. You know, over in 1 John, where he's talking about where we just were reading, you know, he he, he specifically says... Uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship one with another. The, the, the problem that, that we have today is not everybody likes to walk in the light. People like to walk in darkness. And as I said this morning, it, that, that, that's a choice. That's something that we choose to do. Again, it's akin to putting a blindfold on, turning off the lights, closing your eyes, and walking around. You're going to stub your toe on something. You're going to hit your shin on something. You're going to hit a wall. Something will happen. You'll stumble. You'll fall. You'll start walking and realize, oh, hey, there's a flight of stairs. You'll start walking and realize, oh, hey, that's a pool that I just walked into. 
while we may think, oh, you know, that's kind of kind of funny, it's not funny when 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 believers walk into pits, snares and traps of the devil. As believers, we're supposed to be in that light, as God is in that light. And he says that if we are in that light, and we are walking in that light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, again, I want to emphasize that. If we're in the light, then we can have fellowship. Because it's really hard to have fellowship if darkness is present with the light. For people that got saved later on in life, once you began to realize what the Christian life was about and you started making the conscious choices and decisions to not do things, hanging around certain people didn't have its appeal anymore, did it? Doing certain things did not have have that draw anymore that it once did. There was a change. And rightfully so, as we talked about this morning, that new man. We truly want to have fellowship one with another. It has to be done, if you will, according to the word of God, which is light. And it has to be done in a Christ-like manner, because he is the light. Meaning it has to be biblically based. It has to be scripturally based to be the right kind of fellowship that really brings us together. And I'm talking about real, true union. We could probably fellowship together around maybe a candidate for presidency. But that doesn't really bond us, does it? Because I guarantee you, we'll all have different comments about Various different president, various different candidates. You look at the, the, the candidacy board that's showing up now and people up there and people are, you know, tearing people down and doing this and doing that. And some people support that one and some people support this one and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. There's really not a lot of unity. There's groups that kind of collect together. But what happens when your candidate doesn't make the candidate list? doesn't make the nomination. Well, I guess I have to change that. What about all the bad things you said about the other candidate? I never understood that. They tear each other down, and then all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm going to drop out of the race, so I support this guy that I just tore down. (laughs) Really? And we're supposed to believe you now? Man, I hate politics. But 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 I'll I'll tell you this, that's not what brings us around fellowship. That's not the kind of fellowship we need. Take a look at First Corinthians chapter sixteen. First Corinthians chapter sixteen, and 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 I, and I want you to see this, and and we're gonna to back up here just just a little bit. In verse 13, uh, he gives a commandment. 
Yeah, he's writing this to the Corinthians, but this is something that really applies to us, okay? This is doctrine for us. He says, watch ye. Watch ye. I'd love to preach a whole message on this one, and maybe one day I will. Watch ye. That's the first thing. Stand fast in the faith. That's the next thing. Quit you like men. That doesn't mean quit like a lot of people think quit means. That means be alive. Act like a man, if you will. Be strong. He gives this charge to them. He gives this charge to them. And then what does he say? He says, let all your things be done with, ooh, there's that word again, isn't it? I love that word, charity. Everything we do should be surrounding charity. And I'll tell you this, you know what? You cannot escape the fact that charity is what really fellowship is about. Because charity is helping other people. Without any regards to what happens to you. He says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Ikea, and that they have, what? Addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Yeah. It's okay to be addicted to something. What does he say here you need to be addicted to? Helping others. Helping others with a mindset of charity. Bonding together as, as, as fellows around the same thing and, and realizing that that is something that we as believers really need to get involved in. Amen. You do addiction studies and you find that people you know, addictions, and they talk about them. Addictions come and they they start off small with these little cravings and then they begin to build and they begin to grow. And as they begin to grow, you know, as in the case with some, let's just say substance abuse, uh, soon it becomes more and more and more and more and more and so on and so on, heavier drugs and things of that nature with some people. And this addiction just continues to dominate their life. And as it continues to grow, it becomes and it affects more areas of their life. And if there's one thing that I know about addiction is that addiction to the wrong stuff will not only destroy that individual person's life, but it will destroy the lives of others around them. It has far-reaching effects. Far-reaching effects. Because, again, no sin is just relegated to the person Sin sends out waves, ripples. Addiction massively sends them out and amplifies them. But let's say it's not a sin that a person is addicted to. Let's say it's doing this, ministering to the saints as fellows, as helpers, helping each other, Lifting each other up, Ecclesiastes 4. Not only does it affect that believer, but it affects the other believers around him, right? And if, if what I just said was true, that addiction begins to amplify those waves, it's going to amplify those waves in the congregation, in communities, in the body of Christ as a whole. 
That's the purpose that we see these things being done in Scripture. This is why he phrased it the way he did phrase it. And, 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 and I love the fact that, that, that he even sums it up with verse 16 here, that ye submit yourselves unto such. Well, what is it that we submit ourselves unto? Charity. You submit yourselves unto such, if you will, this ministry, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. There we find the help in the laboring again. Things can't get done without multiple individuals. If I was going to build a house, there are people in here that I would know that I could call on and say, I want you as the person that puts down the foundation. I want you to excavate the ground. I want you to pour the foundation. There's people that I could call upon and say, I would like you to frame the house. There's people that I could call and say, I'd like you to plumb the house, do the electricity. Some people put in insulation and then, you know, put the drywall up and all of those things. Another person to do the roof. You call Mike if you want any brickwork or masonry work done, right? But you better call him because he's getting booked up fast. So, but the idea and the concept is what? Is that there's multiple people that come about to make that building a structure. Paul talks about that when he says, you know, he's been placed with building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. That foundation was laid in him. How we build on is the important part. What materials are we going to use? Are we going to go cheap and use wood, hay, and stubble? Or are we going to do something for the glory of God and we're going to use gold, silver, and precious stones? And part of that with the precious stones is this. Precious stones always represent souls. And when you think about that reward, if you will, the judgment seat of Christ, is it going to be gold, silver, and precious stones? Did you build with the idea of souls in mind? Did you build with the idea of being a witness for Jesus Christ and testifying of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And did you purpose with what you've been given to use those abilities to help others in the body of Christ. It's not all just about soul winning. It's about soul helping. It's about helping each other. I mean, God makes it pretty clear here that this is the mindset that we as believers are supposed to have. And, and, and again, as you go throughout uh, the, these these passages, and you go throughout all of these these uh, these closing remarks that that Paul says, he, he he very clearly points out all of these individuals that that are helping him, that are fellows with him, that are assisting him along the way, that are ministering to him. And I tell you, one of the things that becomes so important about fellowship and this mindset is fellowship is never about me. 
because that fellow is there to help the other. It's to help the other. Back over there in Ecclesiastes 4.10, where he says that, that the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto him that is alone, which when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. You realize that one of the important verses and principles that we find in Scripture is that God has given us ministry of helps. You go over and read some of those passages of Scripture. He goes through and he says some are called apostles and some pastors, some teachers, and so on and so forth. And he goes through and he starts talking about in other lists over there. But one of them specifically that he mentions over in 2 Corinthians, he says that we're given, that, that some are given to the ministry of helps. Sometimes there are individuals that are specifically designed to do that. And I will say that those are individuals that should be desired to be in church. And, and, and I also will say this. It's also a ministry that you can learn how to do. People can learn how to teach. Some people might have a knack for it. But people can teach. Matter of fact, the Bible says that every single Christian is supposed to be able to teach. And you're like, well, where do you get that? Well, we're supposed to teach each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Didn't make a qualification of whether or not you could carry a tune in a bucket. <laughs> didn't make a qualification of whether or not you knew anything about music. And didn't make a qualification about whether or not you knew how to teach. He just said that's what you need to do. Interesting, though, it's ministering to one another. It's ministering. You know, the purpose why we sing songs, we don't sing songs for ourselves. We don't sing hymns to make ourselves feel good. We sing hymns for worship and praise to God. Right. For singing it to make ourselves feel good, we've got the totally wrong opposite idea of what hymns are about, what psalms are about. It's praise and glory to God. Now, it might invoke a feeling. It might invoke emotion. It might invoke thoughts. And that's, that's communion with God when that happens and occurs. But I will tell you this, it's all for him. And that's not for us. It's for him. That's the way it should be. But it's ministering to others as well. It's ministering to others. The ministry of helps is the same thing. It's something that we can learn how to do. But here's the challenge, and I'll end with this. The challenge for 2024. Are we really interested in helping one another? If we are, we should challenge ourselves to learn more about charity.
I can't minister without that. I can't minister without that heart attitude. Paul repeats over and over and over and over again about the importance of charity. The importance of charity. If we don't grasp that concept, then we don't grasp the concept of how we're going to minister and help another person. We're not walking in light. And we can't fellowship one with another. We can try. But I'd rather not do something that we call fellowship that really isn't. You wouldn't want to enter into a relationship where somebody says they love you, but they really don't. We don't like fake love. We don't like fakery. We shouldn't want fake help. And we as Christians shouldn't say, I want fake fellowship. We should desire to have fellowship with God. When we have fellowship with God, we can have fellowship with other people because we have the purpose. And if there's one thing that I know about fellowship with God is this. He is my help. The psalmist says that over and over and over again. My help comes from the Lord. But he uses believers around us to help us. Are we going to be a helper? Are we going to be a fellow? Are we going to fellowship? the way God intended it. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for the time that you've given us. And Lord, I, I just thank you for this subject matter. And uh, as, uh, as important as it is, I just pray that each one of us would just really, truly desire, Lord, to be that person. Whether we're helping them enjoy, whether we're helping them spiritually, whether we're helping them grow, whatever it may be, Lord, that we would be fellows of the same mindset of, of if you will, growing the body of Christ. And we, Lord, we all know that that comes from you. You're the one that gives the increase. But you've asked us to come along and be a laborer with you. And Lord, may we be those diligent laborers. May we be those faithful servants using what you've given to us, Lord, to grow. To grow what you have so clearly given to us as a great and wonderful gift. Being able to be around one another. Realizing that we are not alone as human beings, but Lord, yes, we have you. And we are very grateful for that, but you continue to give us more and that we have other believers around us that you use in such a mighty way. And Lord, may we never forget that. May we have a desire, Lord, to please you by seeking that ministry of help, by seeking to be a fellow and fellowship in such a way that we help one another. Thank you again, Lord, for all that you've given to us. 
Thank you again for this time and those that are here. I pray you take us home safely tonight. And these things I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.